millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And welcome to the You Max It podcast. No, this is Jeff the Truck, and you listen to Will the podcast. How'd you like them apples, Baines? It wasn't as good as I do it, to be honest. No, no, it wasn't. I don't as know. Good. See, yours is because you've got the whole like you know corporate sponsor thing on your You Max It one, so you, you do it all kind of nicely. And if you want, you know, a good printing solution, then go to Dave's because he gives us money. <laughs> That's not exactly what I'll say, yeah, but there is a there is a bit of a uh, a preamble that goes with the other show, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's no male, male chimp, as you see on, uh, what's that other thing, cereal, yeah. <laughs> what's that other thing? Well, uh, it's, it's done now, isn't it? No one cares about it anymore. It's finished. Adman, who cares? Yeah, he's finished. Exactly. So, hello, mate, welcome, welcome again. I was going to say mate. welcome back, but, you know, you're, you're here now. You're one of us. <laughs> Thank you very much, mate. I'm, uh, I'm, 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 I'm flattered, flattered to be part of it now. It's lovely. That's good. That's good. It will just be a matter of time before you you serve me, and it's just you and Raj talking about rugby. I'm not making jokes about this, but you know, it's you know, I mean, it's still a few bones of contention. I, you know, I see that I'm still not quite on the Twitter account. And that, you know, every now and again, there's a sort of conversation between you and Baines, which doesn't include me. I just, you know, the, the, the vulnerable part of my personality doesn't like that. So that's These just, have all been duly noted, have they? Just something probably we should have talked about before we started recording, like a sort of in-house friction. But I thought I'd, um, I thought I'd air the grievance, you know? Okay. Well, we'll uh, let's start. When your contract's up for renewal, mate, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll yeah. go over the T's and C's. And, uh, this is just, this is leverage. This is, you know. <laughs> public, public shaming. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You've gone full Sherwood on us, mate. I have done, mate. To be honest, though, I I I finished completing my um my self assessment today, which I found to be a very unrewarding process. <laughs> um, so I, I'm I'm taking out on you guys. Uh, I, I won't be over until tomorrow, really. But yeah, no one wants to self assessment. No, no one does. No. One. I'm looking for the year that Seb spends avoiding other podcasts because you think he's, he's he's too good to join them. He's looking for another top-tier podcast like ourselves to join <laughs> once we've got rid of him for speaking out of turn. It's a stepping stone podcast, yeah. <laughs> maybe, the, maybe the Americans will have him, you know, how much they, uh, <laughs> how much they like. I think my association with Raj is so strong that I never get a shot at that. <laughs> I think I'm tainted by that. Yeah. Oh well, they, 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 yeah. That's I can't be bothered to that one. Uh, so it's uh, it's been a it's going to be a busy week. It's a cup week. 
a week of magic, I should say, isn't it? That's what a company's cups in, in Britain, isn't it? Magic. It's all about magic. Um, that's it, magic, romance, passion, S-H-U-N. Um, uh, let's talk about Sunderland first. Sunderland. Uh, although it was a last-minute win, really, it, it wasn't, was it? Like, we, we deserved that. It wasn't one of those kind of games where you think, oh, you know, some of our earlier, earlier kind of season victories, especially like Villa, we kind of felt like we had robbed them a bit. But this, it, it felt like, you know, justice had been done. And uh, again, a, a, a shout out to Mr. Christian Eriksen who popped up with with the winner and seems to be justifying a lot of the, the plaudits he's receiving at the moment. Wouldn't you say, Raji Baines? Well, like we said previous times, the fact that it's happened so many times now means it's not an accident. It's not something that we're just falling into. It's not robberies anymore. It's something that we've, you know, we've actually believe in ourselves to do and another team should be wary of um, we've had chances before the Ericsson goal late on as we do in other games but it just seems to be the way that it builds towards as um, a scoring one very late so uh, I wasn't even I wasn't shocked I wasn't too surprised when we did score because I'd seen that we'd been building towards doing something and Kane had hit the post already in the first half and there'd been other chances so I was uh, I was pleased when it did go in obviously but there was that same that same sense of sort of welcome relief and, and familiarity with the the way in which it happened so it was uh, it, it wasn't too bad I mean the, the rest of the performance was great it should have been 3-1 uh, let's not forget that's uh, uh, the the decision after that was ridiculous and Sunderland actually had a couple of chances after that as well so it could have been too all quite wrongly had um, had it gone another way but uh, we, we, we shouldn't be too down on ourselves for, for winning 2-1 again because I think we've done that about 10 times in a row now or something something not too dissimilar to that so I am um, I'm not too down to be honest I think that's fantastic um, I'm, I enjoyed the performance to be honest it was it was attacking it was quite um, quite open game Sunderland to be fair to them were were, were quite attacking in what they tried to do and um, we we just were too good for them essentially on the day I think one, one thing I uh, made myself look pretty silly um, in doing was tweeting out just before Ericsson scored mm. that we were starting to look pretty knackered. Um, however, you know, obviously we went on a score and it was brilliant and we won. But it did start to look in the last kind of 20 minutes or so that we really were starting to tire. Um, and this is something you touched on before, Seb, yeah. uh, about how, you know, we saw with Southampton um, under Pochettino. They started to trail off by the end of the season with fatigue playing a large factor in that. Um, is that something that still concerns you at the moment? Well, I think it will until, you know, for the rest of the year because, um, well, you and I were talking during the game and, and it, it, it did become really lethargic and it did look like we we were just becoming progressively blunt. Um, I don't know. I, I think I think there's a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy to this in that we, we're looking for, for symptoms of this so much that we can potentially... Um, imagine something that isn't there but I, I don't know I mean it, for as long as the side scoring 90th minute winners I, it's, it's it's pretty harsh to level um, accusations of fatigue at them um, I think there was there was definitely in some players whether I, I wouldn't say that there's a, a collective um, collective blunders but, but in, in some of the players there was definitely signs that they played a little bit too much football over Christmas 
I thought that um, I got Kane looked pretty spent. Um, I thought that um, at times Ericsson was Ericsson, Ericsson played well. Was probably our best player, but there were times when it, the sort of the, the, the pressing side to his game wasn't quite what it had been over Christmas. Um, and you know, even Chadley was a little less uh, a little less vibrant than he has been. So I don't know it's just. Um, I, 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 I don't want to be one of those guys that starts uh, chucking asterisks all over the place again, all over victories. But um, it was, um, yeah, I don't know. It wasn't. It, it lacked um, lacked a little bit of the energy that we've 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 probably been a little bit spoiled with over recent weeks. I think quite a, as as is usually the case, we uh, there seems to be quite a negative reaction to Soldado um, mm-hmm. playing. Uh, you know, people are saying it kind of like it is forced Ericsson and Kane out of their best performing positions of late. Um, but as much as I, I can understand the concern, um, and Soldado didn't have his best of games, to, in fairness, against Sunderland, um, surely, you know, it's we're not going to go out and spend big money on a, on a striker in January. I mean, short of buying someone like Ings, which, as we've said previously, they're probably going to hold up for <laughs> eight, nine million for. Yeah, or Ashley Barnes, maybe. Ashley Barnes, maybe. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're, uh, you know, it looks like we're stuck with uh, Adebayor, who's in some kind of state of flux at the moment, personally, um, and a misfiring, shall we say, Roberto Soldado. So there does have to come that point whereby we have to play them and. Although it's going to frustrate the fans to see maybe Harry Kane be played back in that number 10 role where they feel that he's not as effective, even though I, I personally feel he's he's more effective coming from the deep. Um, but, you know, surely we have to have that trade-off. We can't play and rely on Kane in every single game that we have left the season. So, you know, something has to break and we have to, whether or not you like him personally, surely part of the greater good is to see Roberto Soldado or Adebayo included into this team. Well, both of them were included into the team, to be honest. Um, I mean, Raj, at the moment, can you see like can you see a way in which like Adebayo and Kane can play together? Do you think they're fairly similar players? I mean, truly the foil for either one of those guys is Soldado. I don't think the, the issue particularly is too much to do with, um, with Kane or the striker, to be honest. It's to do where Eriksen's playing. And um, if we're if we're having to move him wider to accommodate other people, then th- that's not the greatest situation to be in. Um, I've spent an awful lot of time talking and writing about how that side is so much better when Eriksen is in the centre. Then again, we saw that's where his goal came from on the weekend, and that tends to be the way. To be honest, when he's put out put out wide, the, the times where he's best is where he essentially ignores any instruction he's had to to come from the wide positions and just stands inside. And we need him to be there, so it's it's a case where he's almost uh, I wouldn't say undroppable, but if he's on the pitch, then that's the only place that you you'd really want to see him playing because that's where he's most effective. And and when you know he's our most effective outfield player, he should be in his most effective position. It's it's very strange to see him put in different positions. So uh, I mean, you, you say there was there was. Un- there wasn't too many people impressed with Soldado starting. There was less people impressed by the sounds of it of Vadibayor coming on. So it's yeah, it's a yeah. it's a different 
you know, different kettle of fish with the strikers because Harry Kane seems to be the only one that's that's in favour at the moment. And um, while Soldado's got got goodwill on his side, Adibayo doesn't even seem to have that much anymore. So it's um, it's building against him. I think if there's if there's any one of the three that is going to be going anywhere. Um, it's going to be Adebayor. Um, obviously, Kane's bulletproof now, and, and Soldado's been linked about a bit more. But if we were to be left an injury away from just having Adebayor at the front, I think that's enough to derail the season. To be honest, given the uh, the way in which the fans are quite poisonous towards him, and he's obviously got got things going on with himself and with his game that just aren't going to help us at the moment I mean he was he was somewhat useful when he came on and that you know he put himself about I mean there was that Alan Pardew quote about um, Yaya Sanogo where he said he had a a nuisance factor and I think that's that's a similar sort of uh, ridiculous thing that you could say about Adibayar at the moment because he's got no real threat to him he's he's fairly blunt in what he's doing um, but he he is running around a lot so it's um it's it's gonna be a strange one with with the two of them. One of my mates is is actually a Sheffield United fan. Um, if we were to look ahead to to uh, the midweek cup game, and I was speaking to him about how they're gonna play, and that sounds like they're essentially gonna play five across the middle and four at the back. And I, I was thinking if we, if we were to try and combat them while trying to to keep about our our squad as as fresh as possible. I wouldn't start Harry Kane against them. I'd play both Adibayor and Soldado as a two up front and sort of shift our tactics to be a little bit lower league and then just see what those two can do because Sheffield United are a league one side. They're not they're not gonna be fantastic. All they're gonna have on their side is it's belief and organisation and those two strikers on paper and in theory should be good enough as long as they're given the service. And that home game's uh, an opportunity where if it does click into place for them, uh, we could we could get the two three goal cushion that we need going into the away fixture. So it's I think it's it's a strange one really with that situation because I'm, I'm extremely reluctant, as you can tell, to put Christian Eriksen anywhere other than his strongest position, and that just means that you, you limit who can play in the other places and. Um, uh, it's it's going to be one of the strikers rather than any, any choice of the two because uh, as good as Kane is in that number ten position, he's not as good as Eriksen is. So it's um, it's quite simple as far as I see it with with them. If, if Harry Kane's going to play, he's going to be playing up top. Sorry, I was going to add to something Rory said. In the um, I was I was watching um, I was watching Man City Arsenal. Um, the next day, and I was I was looking at sort of the uh, the reaction from a lot of City fans to the result, and a few of them were, were sort of um, having a go at some of their own by pointing out that whenever City lose, like their their fans' default position is to have a go at Jesus Navas, and um, it's pretty similar to the way we seem to treat Soldado. I know there is a lot of goodwill for him, but there's a, a strong element of the support who, whenever it's not going well, they pick on him, even though. It's, as a forward and as the kind of type of forward he is, he really relies on the supply coming in from behind and around him. And yet he is he is the first person to attract any kind of criticism. It seems like a sort of it's like a default opinion. And when you don't really know what's wrong, you go to that as a way of explaining it. It's 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 a strange thing. And I, I just yeah, it's so it was grating to to listen to, actually. 
Um, and I mean, it's not it's not as it's not as poisonous as Adebayor. Clearly, I mean, like, that was just a shameful thing to hear when he came on. But um, it's still quite it's it's still very negative. Um, and I I was I was reading people on Twitter saying oh, I. Asking for him to be substituted after 25 minutes, you just think you, you, you gotta you gotta understand what the you know understand the mechanics of how a team works a little bit more. I think it's it's quite bizarre, isn't it? I mean, I've never really subscribed to that idea that fans are entitled to boo, as it were. You know, there's this whole kind of rhetoric that's drawn up that you know, so and so pays his money, and if you know he saw yeah. a bad performance in the theatre, they boo and blah blah blah. But you know, you, you, you boo at the end of a performance. So it's, it's, it's I would change that. I have to say, I, I don't, I'd, I'm sure you know, I like somebody will have a go at me on Twitter for saying this, but I just you, you just don't do that. Yeah, I know how I was. I was listening to um, the fighting cock earlier, and um, I think Flav was talking about this. And he said that if you start booing your own players like that, you are essentially booing the shirt. Um, and yeah, Jack's right in that. You know, if this happens, if the team performed badly and it's the end of the game and a player hasn't pulled his weight, then I can understand it. But booing someone as they come on is just completely unacceptable. Uh, and it's just, it just doesn't. Even if it just reflects badly on the club and the sport and and, and the stadium and everything, it's just. Um, I think I ultimately, it's just totally counterproductive, isn't yeah, it? Exactly. Because Absolutely. you know you, you, you're angry at this player for whatever, not pulling his weight for the club, not pulling his weight for you as a supporter who's paid this money for his wages, blah 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 blah. Yeah, yeah. On a on a purely human level, you're going to think, all right, well, if they're going to boo me, I'm still getting paid at the end of it. So you know, it's not, it's not going really to give a shit on someone, is it? If, if no. he's gone and. And I, I know I appreciate that he um, he he made some fairly negative remarks about the White Hot Lane crowd uh, before Christmas, but if that's the sole basis for that, and if if a forward comes on when you're chasing a game, you need another goal and you boo him. I just I, I don't um, yeah I don't I don't really understand that. I uh, I can't I can't um, I can't get on with that mentality really. It's quite strange. Um, I mean, if we are to look more at the Sheffield United game, they seem to be having the type of season that Bradford had um, when they went on their cup run, their cup heroics of a couple of years ago. Yeah, it was a couple of years ago now, wasn't it? It wasn't last year. Yeah, two years. Um, where they've got, yeah, really indifferent league form, but they just seem to be smashing it in the, uh, in the cup. Um, I've read that Nigel Clough has said this week that he's, he's looking forward to it. A technical challenge um, playing Tottenham. Um, not hundred percent what he what he means by that, but uh, is this something that you have to be particularly wary of? Do you think? Because I think a lot of Spurs fans are going into this thinking, "Yeah, we're in the final now," which you know they can be forgiven for feeling that way. But I know, much to our delight, a lot of Arsenal fans felt that way a few years ago um, and came unstuck. So. You know, I, I, do, 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 do you happen to know much about them at the moment, sir? Uh, no, really. I mean, I the only the only the caveat that anyone who's thinking that we're just going to walk through this tie should would do well to remember that Burnley game a couple of years ago when we did hammer them at White Lane and we went back there and we were you know a couple of extra time minutes away from getting knocked out. Um, and it's just it, when it, when it, I I don't know much individually about Sheffield United, but whenever you see a side that 
have fallen well on the cops and have allowed their league form to dip a little bit, which is seemingly what's happened. It tends to mean that like, there's been a kind of an emotional shift away from the league and that every every bit of focus is towards a um is towards a, a single cup game. And you've always got to be worried of an opponent like that because you think that they're gonna turn up to White Lane having not done having not done their homework on absolutely everything that we do. It's their season. It's not. I don't. Want to, I don't sound patronising. I don't want to say it's the season, but it is. It is a. It's a. Uh, and it's a cliche, but it is their cup final, really. Um, and getting to Wembley will be as good as winning the tournament for them, really. I think. Um, so no, I don't. I, I think unless you're a, unless you're a, a Chelsea or a Man City, and you really do have the resources to play everyone away, especially a lower league team, then you've got to be wary. And especially if you're going there in the second leg, um, and you give them. If anything other than a, a three or four goal lead, then um, then that won't be a comfortable ride, really. Well, how about you, Banks? How are you feeling about this one, mate? Uh, fairly comfortable battle at home, like um, very uncomfortable at the away, like um, Sheffield United have got this odd situation where they the they're the big boys in their league uh, with Bramall Lane and you know the the history of that club and, and some of the players they've got in League One. The, they're the ones that, that teams turn up to Bramall Lane and they want to beat them just to show that they've they've got something about them and the, the, the favourites every year to go up and every year they don't manage it purely because teams treat them as much as they do Tottenham in the Premier League with most sides because they just sit back and defend and they don't allow Sheffield United to do anything. They, they make them, break them down. They, they, they put loads of men behind the ball and, you know, every week um, when I speak to my mate, he, he's either lost or they've drawn a game disappointingly, whether it be home or away, and he's and he's tearing his hair out as to what they're doing wrong because they're so much better than these sides on almost every occasion. Um, and they've been stuck in that league for a very long time now, um, since since Huddersfield beat them in a playoff final and one of the best penalty shootouts I've ever seen, actually. Was that where there were the 20, 20 penalties? Yeah, it was where it went down yeah. to the keepers. It was, it was amazing. Yeah, 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 I remember that. Um, but uh, they've... Um, with the cup competitions, they're, they're slightly more expansive and they're slightly more counter-attacking, which is why they, their football doesn't work in the league um, because they can't, you can't counter-attack against teams that aren't open against you. Um, whereas when they play bigger sides, obviously, um, they take them a little bit for granted and they try and uh, just just blow them away. And what Sheffield United are able to do is because they're structured. Nigel Clough, you know, he's not the he's not his dad. He's not the the best manager in the world. He's not the cleverest manager in the world. But he can organise a side proficiently. He can he can make them functional. And he's got players good enough to players are collective and buy into an ethos so they will sit and defend for long periods and then they will counter-attack fairly effectively so that's the only thing you need to be wary of with them because that's that's essentially their one game plan that's been getting them through the fact that they themselves get to raise themselves against um, other sides when they get to play them and that they get to play their strongest brand of football so it's it's going to be interesting I mean I, I would as I say hope that we we take the opportunity with having the home game first to try and give ourselves some sort of unassailable lead because there'd be nothing worse than going into that Bramall Lane fixture with them having a, a belief that they can do it because um, that would... It's a, big, yeah, it's a big enough stadium to be intimidating oh, it's, as well. It's, it, not, it's not a lovely yeah, it's, ground Bramall Lane. So. We've lost there recently as well. Last time they were in the Premier League, we went and lost there. So it's not like it's it's somewhere we've, um, we've got a... a Decent record or anything, um, they're going to be bringing six fouls and I think to to White Hart Lane 
um, midweek. So it's, it's it is a big game for them, but they're, they're not a fan base to be patronised. They're going to fill out Bramall Lane and the away fixture. So it's going to be one where I want us to have two or three goals at least and then take the lead in the away one because I want to avoid that Burnley game as much as, I, uh, you know, as possible. So uh, while while I'm, I'm sounding quite cautious and probably playing them up a little bit as to what they are, it's it's probably better to be slightly cautious going into it than, than too carefree because that's where you get caught. And... Um, we need this to... is so the beat um, QPR three 0 at Loftus Road. I know QPR are a really limited team, but that 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 doesn't necessarily that reflects just how important it is to 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 go into this kind of game with the right mindset. You go and assuming you're just going to walk over an opponent like QPR presumably did. I know they were, I know Red Hat a weak inside in that game, but even so, you you should never as a Premier League team get beaten three 0 by a League One side at home. So you've got to. That's as, as important as as any formation or personnel or anything like that. You 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 know, there's um yeah, don't don't think there's um any problem with being overly cautious at all. I think with uh, with players like Michael Tong on their books as well, he's got to be to be wary of him popping up with a goal from distance, aren't you? He's the most Sheffield United player ever. Yeah, like Michael Brown. No, the most the most Sheffield United player ever was uh, is it Chris Morgan that one that chinned someone once on the pitch. He um he 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 nearly killed that uh that Canadian player. Yeah. Um, he had, had an emergency brain surgery. That was terrible. Yeah. It's it's really awful. And, and of course, we're going to have to be wary of our favourite uh, podcast uh, topic, Sean Bean, being in the stands. I was just about to say, yeah. Cheering him on. I mean, how, how, how we managed to get yeah. through about an hour's worth of Sean Bean chat last time without managing to mention the fact that we're <laughs> playing his team the following week was quite impressive. But he's going to be. It'll, it'll probably be at the uh, the, the Bramall Lane game. What was the name of that Sean Bean themed football drama in the nineties? Oh, we played this game last week, and all of us were crap at it. I can't remember. It was like it. Was, I remember it was. It must have been quite a long time ago because I was still the age where, like, I, I, I remember reading about it in a TV guide, like in the radio finals or something. And, it, and I, I was at the age where anything football related, I would watch. And um, it's the, one of the worst pieces of television I've ever seen. But <laughs> it did have um, it did have Sean Bean in it, and it was about Sheffield. I think he plays for Sheffield United or something. I, I don't know, but um, yeah, I don't know. Anyone? anyone there there, there was a Sheffield? film that was When Saturday Comes. Oh, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was. Yeah, it was. Uh, I think Pete Postlethwaite was in that as well. <laughs> um, just yeah, just a bit of random, random Pete Postlethwaite trivia there. Um, but yeah, Sean Bean and Sheffield United. Um, well, we are also playing in the other magical cup trophy, the actual true magical cup trophy, which is the FA Cup. Um, and given that it is supposedly what our podcast is all about, we're now going to be speaking. Well, we are just going to be speaking with a Leicester fan of whom I can't remember the name of. Joe, welcome to the show. Um, you're a writer for 442, aren't you? That's right, yep. Uh, writer for, them, for the magazine and online, so thanks for having me. And uh, a lifelong Leicester City fan. Yeah, indeed. Uh, went to Filbert Street for, the, for my early years and then it got slowly worse and now it's a little bit better again. We um, we couldn't get time to speak to you before the, the league game, unfortunately, before Christmas, but... Um... With the FA Cup game coming up, we thought it'd be a good time to, to catch up with Leicester because we like to to see 
you know what other clubs think of us and, and what the impression of us was when we played you and in that game it was quite a funny one really because you probably should have won it and it was one of those late Christian Eriksen winners that we're getting quite accustomed to um did you did you feel quite aggrieved that you didn't win that one yeah definitely I mean you look back at, at the goals and you look back at the way we played I mean you know when you get it I don't want to get the violins out too much but when you can see early on you only have yourself to blame really um, we've, we've had a few games this season where we've we've not looked that bad at all um, and, and, we, and to a point it kind of felt like it was a continuation when we went 2-0 down at Liverpool after we played you and then we got something out of it which unfortunately we couldn't do against you uh, I mean Ben Hayman was at fault for Christian Eriksen's goal as you know we had a, a good penalty shout turned down and missed a really good chance at the end but I mean <laughs> Yeah, we, can, we can't complain too much. When you don't finish your chances and you can concede so freely at the other end, then you're always going to get punished. You've alluded to that early goal that Harry Kane scored and he was at your club for a short time on loan and I gather that it didn't go exactly to plan. Um, can you enlighten us a little bit as to you know how he was perceived at Leicester, you know, why exactly it, it was that the home fans may have booed him when he did score and, and you know what sort of went on when he was at the club? Yeah, to be honest, I think it was it was a wrong time, wrong place kind of thing. You know, he'd, he'd had good loan spells before. Um, came to us off the back of a not so good one with Norwich, where he was basically injured for the whole time. I mean, I can't defend his performances particularly with us because he really didn't play very well. He, he didn't look like a footballer at all. It was more like Bambi on ice. But at the same time, he was basically brought on to to try and change games. Mostly played out wide, which obviously is, doesn't suit him particularly. Uh, so it was it was it was wrong from us, and it was wrong for him, and it just didn't turn out particularly well, unfortunately. But his rise since has been, you know, amazing. So fair play to him. Yes, yeah, it's, it's not a rise that any of us were particularly seen coming. To be honest, there was very very few people um, that I think would have predicted where he is now. If we look at if we look at Leicester going back to uh, the start of the season when you first came into the Premier League, was the, the sole intention just to try and consolidate your position in in the league and and try and stay up? Absolutely, I mean seventeenth would be I'd, I'd have had a party if we'd have finished seventeenth. Um, but yeah, I mean you never really know what to expect when you come up from from the Championship. I mean it's obviously not happened for us for the last ten years, so it was just nice to get out of it in the first place. <coughs> But you look at, you can either do a Hull and, and thrive, or even better, you can do a Southampton, or you can go straight back down without a trace. And I, I didn't think we'd, we'd be too bad. Um, I kind of, how we've been going is kind of how expected. But unfortunately for us, you've got the likes of Burnley who have done much better than expected. Um, and we're, we're still in there. I mean, but it's survival. Survival is the only thing you can ask for. You don't sound uh, too hopeful from what you've just said, given that Burnley are doing better and things. If you were, is it something that flip flops on a weekly basis whether or not you think you're going to stay up, or have you it, sort of got your mind mind in place? Yeah, I mean we've we've had a, a weird old season to be honest. We started, we, had, we, we were flying at the start, taking points off teams we didn't really have any right to. Then it went really bad, basically because you know our, our defending is pretty hopeless at times. Uh, and over Christmas was good. After, basically, after the defeat to you, we went on a four-game unbeaten run. Beat Hull, beat... Um, God, I can't remember who we beat now. <laughs> we beat Hull. Got a point off uh, Liverpool. And then beat Villa, who are dreadful. Um, and then l- lost to Stoke on the weekend, which wasn't wasn't good at all. But uh, it's hard when everyone else is picking up points. It's hard to keep motivated because you, you always wonder, you know, 
you have to try and pick out three teams that are worse than us. And at the moment, I'm not sure there are. I mean, I don't think we're, we're that bad. We're just not quite good enough yet. That's the problem. But we need, we need, we need we've, we've signed Kramaric, who, who uh, should hopefully have a, a, a decent impact. But we really need a new centre-back. Um, and until that's addressed, I think I'll be a little bit worried. Um, we'll speak about Kramaric in a minute, but um, with sort of an outsider's view on Leicester when they're coming up, you know, half an eye on the championship, and uh, sometimes at, you know at work I've, I've covered these sort of things. But um, the the club that I would parallel you with coming into the, the Premier League that um, not in the despicable way in some of the things they've done, but it, it seems sort of similar to Cardiff um, in a much more palatable way because you've you've got a foreign owner in I'm not going to attempt to say his, his surname but his, his first name for Chai isn't it yeah oh, um, they changed their name to something even more unpronounceable than before so yeah, yeah they're, they're Thailand based aren't they and it's, right, it's yeah. a Thai based um, owner and you, you seem to have spent a lot of time trying and failing to get into the Premier League much of Cardiff have um, and spending quite a lot of money I don't think quite as frivolously as they did but spending a certain amount of money to try and help that come through um, so do, do you think you're in, if you had to sort of put yourself in a, in a position next to QPR and, and Burnley when you came up, do you think you were in a better position than them to, to sort of stay in the league or was there a lot of investment that was needed? Uh, a bit of both. I mean, the good thing about us is that we have we have got stability. Uh, I think in, in Pearson, Pearson's done enough good things uh, in his two spells with us to, to warrant the, the backing that he's had so far. But one thing I will say about our owners is that they've, they've, they've learned mistakes very quickly. I mean, they came in and, and weren't afraid to, to flash the cash in the championship, which as, as has been proved many times, it doesn't always work. Uh, I mean, Pearson left quite early into their tenure. Paolo Sousa came in. That didn't work. Sven came in, and that was kind of we, we took us a long time to to recover from that Sven era because he signed a lot of players uh, on overinflated wages, overinflated transfer fees, and it took Pearson a, a long time to you know come back in, clean up the mess basically, and get us back to on level footing. But yeah, we, 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 that's sort of a sign that you've uh, you're running out of ideas when Sven gets drafted, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, he still keeps getting jobs, so you know, <laughs> fair play to him. Yeah, He's, that man is never going to struggle to make money, is Sven, I don't no, think. Despite giving up football in about 2007, I think he's been the right thing But you've, I mean, you spent a fair bit in the summer. Um, some of the, the players you brought in were okay. Um, I mean, this this window seems a little bit more impressive, if anything, because Kramaric has got a outrageous goal-scoring record um, coming from Croatia. And you said Max Schwartz as well, and you, t- you touched on Ben Hamer's, um Mistake and uh, is Casper Schmeichel still injured as well? So he is, yeah. But to be, um, to be fair to Hamer, he's actually done pretty well since that Spurs game. He's he's been one of our better players, I think. So he's recovered. So is it not is it not a case that Schwartz is just going to come straight in and sort of be the old head that's in the no in the goal? No, I mean we've given him a year and a half contract. So by the time it'll be about fifty nine. So I think he's been brought in with a with a view to coach. Probably that's what we did with Kevin Phillips. So. I, I, I don't think he's he's been drafted in to kind of save the day. No, I think Hamer, Hamer's doing okay for now. And um, I think the summer signing that got the most headlines straight away is when you you started the season, um, like a, a you know on fire. You you had a Joer up front who you just couldn't stop scoring, um, and he he'd come from Brighton, hadn't he? So, yeah. do you think that was 
he's sort of gone off the boil since. Was it just the unexpected nature of, of what he was as a striker that got him away? Or was it, was it just a lucky run? Because he, he's not managed to replicate that as consistently since. No, it was a bit of both. I mean, at the start of the season, it was it was basically a case of everything he touched turned to gold. He'd scored with, from all angles, with his mostly with his head. Um, he'd get on the end of tappings, and that's obviously what you want in, a, in an £8 million striker. Um, but yeah, he has gone off the board a bit. I mean, it hasn't helped that the service hasn't been exceptional to him. But you know, he's he's, he's chipped in with a few, a couple of goals during a, a pretty bad run. Um, but yeah, he's, he's got a bit of food for thought now with Kramaric because sadly, I mean, Jamie Vardy doesn't score goals and Dave Nugent doesn't score enough goals either. So he needs someone who's going to really, really test him for his place at the moment, and he's got that now. I think Nugent seems to be in this strange sort of halfway house between being too good for the championship and not good enough for the Premier League and he seems to have like tasked himself with trying to score the goal of the season this year because every time I I see Leicester's highlights on match of the day he's hit one from about 30 yards and it's not gone far away whatsoever but he'll he'll get like a five yard tap in and completely fluff his line you you basically put the words out of my mouth I mean you saw his goal against Liverpool which was outstanding Uh, against Villa um, he missed two sitters basically and then as you say hit the bar, hit the bar with a volley from the edge of the box but yeah I mean that's the problem he misses too many chances and, and his decision making isn't the best um, and which you, which you pay for at this level so he, he is in the halfway house like you say I mean last season he scored he was our top goal scorer um, penalties helped him along the way but he's I don't know I just, he's just not quite there He's a good player to have in your squad because he's, he's quite selfless at times. He can be selfish, which, as I say, goes back to his decision-making. But, yeah, he's not quite cut out for the Premier League, in my opinion. But he's not as bad as everyone thinks he is either, I don't think. Your, um, your midfield is probably where you've got your strongest players um, from an outsider's perspective, I think. Um Cambiasso, obviously, uh, was a ludicrous signing. I don't think anybody ever saw that coming. Um, I mean, when Pearson said that he'd been after him for a few seasons, uh, I mean, it, it sort of was a bit puzzling. But the fact that it, they've, they've pulled it off and he's there is is good because I, I imagine he's a he's you know just a, a presence that kind of settles your midfield if it if it didn't have him in. Um, there's Riyad Mahrez who seems to be one of those wingers and almost in a sort of Balassi mold where he'll he'll do the spectacular but some of his decision making isn't quite there yet um, as it often takes wingers a while to, to sort of get their game yep. down properly um, but you know he, he can come up with the odd exceptional moment of class and then on the other side there's Schlupp who you know has a name like some sort of uh, Hebrew swear word but he he's fantastic as well so those three really you, you the, the, the aces in your pack at the moment yeah I mean the problem with uh, Cambiasso is that he's been in and out of the team through various fitness in, issues I mean I don't know whether he can play twice in a week for it you know he's not that old he's only just turned 34 uh, but he's had a, he's had a couple of niggly things but you can tell yeah he's obviously class when he's on the ball he's not this he's not really imposed himself too often um, it's, but we don't really dominate games in midfield so um, that doesn't help, uh, but yeah, like you say, uh, Riyad Mahrez he's obviously away with Algeria with with your boy Bentaleb, um, and Jeff Schlupp was supposed to go to uh, there, but he was injured. Um, they didn't pick him; they made, he made himself available. Um, 
But yeah, now now we've got him back after injury. He came back a bit earlier than expected, which has caused a few ripples in Ghana. Yeah, didn't they? Um, didn't they say they were going to try and do something that would block him playing for the entire length of the tournament in in a sort of move to say that if they couldn't have him, neither could you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I haven't actually heard that today. But um, from what I understand was that we've probably overegged his injury to, because he did actually make himself available. And they didn't pick him. That's that's the crux of it. We didn't we didn't block him from playing or anything like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's happened with West Ham and Diafra Sacco as well. These, these things happen in international football, there, and there's always disputes between players. But I'm not really bothered because we've got him. So <laughs> I remember sorry, we, sorry, had, um, we had we uh, had the Olympic tournament. Gareth Bale got an injury on a uh, on a American tour. And uh, this was just as he was becoming, you know, the Gareth Bale Galactico that he was going to be that season. And um, he he picked up an injury because Charlie Adam did his annual sliding, yeah. you know, horrendous tackle on him. And uh, he couldn't play in the Olympics. That's what the the doctors had said that. And, we'd, you know, we'd made him available and everything. But he'd recovered faster than we'd expected and he, he could start the season with us. And uh, Team GB were not at all amused. And, you know, there was accusations flying everywhere. So that, that club versus country thing is very petty. But um, I, might, I might offend you here because um, I think Wes Morgan's your captain. Oh, but cool. at times... He, he reminds me of when you see like a, a teachers versus kids game at school <laughs> and there's that old PE teacher who's probably about 50 and he's a little bit off the pace, but he reads the game well enough and he knows what's going on and he, you know, he'll put a header in and he'll clear the balls when they come to him. But if anybody runs at him with a little bit of pace or if anybody tries to give him a little bit of uh, skill or something, he, he's liable to bring them down and get himself into a bit of trouble. Um, I mean, is it, is, is he only playing for sentimental reasons? Is that why you want a centre-back so badly? Because he, he, he looks a bit like a, a, an accident waiting to happen at times. Yeah, do you know what? I, I've, I've heard a few people uh, telling me that this season. But in truth, I think he's, he's got a bit of a raw deal. Uh, he has made a few blunders. Uh, he got sent off against Liverpool uh, for a last-man challenge. Scored an own goal against QPR, which admittedly was comical and should not have happened. But he's also, in my opinion, been... Pretty good at times. I mean, he gets us out of a lot of situations with his blocking. I'm, I'm, I think it's still the case that he's blocked the most shots in the Premier League this season. Um, he's not really our problem, in my opinion. Um, we've not really got anyone else to go alongside him who's, who's proven themselves to be consistent. For some reason, we signed Upson in the summer who hasn't played because he's injured. Um, and then we've got Martin Vasilevsky, who uh, is a bit <laughs> liable to basically pulling up. Uh, he's been, been quite good recently. Um, was bad against Stoke but generally speaking we haven't got anyone else we've got Liam Moore who's only 21 um, was really good last season but he came up this season and found it a bit of a daunting step up Pearson basically drops him so we've got three centre-backs basically and, and none of them are excellent but Wes in my opinion is is one of the better ones Is, is Wajaleski the one that looks like he's a Klitschko brother? Yeah definitely yeah. and he, he'll, uh, he'll get his elbow in there and yeah, he he looks uh, not not to be too stereotypical about the Eastern European, but if you were to be asked to sketch one, then he would <laughs> look something like him. Yeah. Um. But you you brought up Pearson, and uh, he's a funny one because he, he you know he, he dresses like a PE teacher. He's quite straight talking. He does that very odd thing of sitting in the stand uh, that yep. you know, Tim Sherwood used to do, essentially just to get himself a bit of. Uh, 
column inches because he wanted to seem a bit different and a bit European when really he was just a being a bit of a prick. And um, I'm not accusing Pearson of doing that, of course. Um, but he, you know, he's he's had a bit of a run in with the fans. Um, you know, the, the famous "fuck off and die." Yeah, uh, was a bit pardew. So, um, what's it been like for him at the club? Because he's not a manager that I admit I'm not too or fear with, I, I, I knew he was at Hull and did all right there, I know he's been at Leicester a couple of times, and he, he seems to, you know, be quite a serviceable manager, but he, he's not somebody that I'd ever, you know, inspire hope in me, he's not somebody that I'd think would be the man to take the club onto the next level, he seems to be that, you know, almost like a, it's going to be sound quite reductive and quite man, nasty this, but you know, that that Warnock mould of manager that, that will take your team up quite well, and almost like a Grayson type thing, but he's a league down and when he takes teams up. Um, is that is that a bit harsh? Is he a bit cleverer than that? Yeah, I, I think it is a bit harsh. I mean, if you go through his career steadily, managerial-wise, um, he started, at, he, was a, he was an assistant manager at, well, he was caretaker at Carlisle when Jimmy Glass uh, saved him on that last day. Uh, and at Southampton, he kept them up uh, at our expense in uh, 2007. Uh, when we got relegated to League One, uh, Pearson took over because Southampton decided they wanted to hire some Dutch clowns to take them in charge. Uh, and, he, and he got us promoted at the first time of asking in League One, uh, which for a club that was basically in disarray, I mean, it was, it was pretty good going. Second season in the Championship, we finished in the playoffs, uh, got to the semis, penalty shootout against Cardiff, Jan Kermigant, you know, the rest. Uh, and then the next season, it kind of it, it went a bit tits up, basically. He, he left under a cloud to Hull we went down Hull he did well there uh, and then like I said earlier he came in and swept up Sven's mess and basically what I'm trying to say is that he's, he's, he's never done any wrong for Leicester he's always worked within fairly modest resources uh, even this season in my opinion before January um, he, on the, from the outside if, if I wouldn't like Pearson you know you listen to his press conferences his interviews he would never say anything interesting but I think deep down he's very witty, he's very dry. You can read the odd interview um, that he's done with Henry, Henry Winter where he talks about his experiences in um, Romania, running away from wild dogs. It's quite an interesting read if you fancy reading about that. Uh, and and he's, got this, he's got this ulterior side to him, which is which not many people see. Um, but he, he has, it's been a learning experience from this year. He's, he's, he's toyed with a, different, a few different things. We ended up playing a diamond for a while, which works spectacularly against Man United and bloody hopelessly against everyone else. But yeah, I think he's, I think he's fine. He's a bit, I I, I don't think he, he did enough in the summer, in my opinion, uh, especially in, in defence. He, he left us short and I think he put a bit too much faith in the lads that brought us up. Um, but generally speaking, I, I've, I've not really got any bad words to say for him. He's, he's always done well with us. He's got us to this position, which no other manager has been able to do for the last 10 years. And, and, and I think he's deserved the backing that he's got. It seems like when clubs have a manager that they've sort of come up with in that mould and they've got, they've, they end up with a choice around this time of the season um, when they're towards the bottom of the league. If, do they stick and and sort of back him and say, if we go down, then you're the man who's going to bring us back up and we're looking at this in a in a you know, with a longevity in mind, or do they twist and sack him and usually go looking for Pulis, but he's already been yeah. he's already been snapped up this window. So do you think he's he's likely to see out the window not the window, sorry, the um, the season, uh, regardless of whether or not 
Leicester go up or down? Uh, yeah, I mean, there was a point um, when we were on a really bad run where I, I did fear that this would kind of be the end of him. Not not necessarily at that time, but I thought this would be the end of him this season. Uh, I think I think he's still got a, a, a bit of life left in him. Whether whether he whether he go down and he stays is another matter. But I'd like to think that the owners uh, they they do get on with very well with him, um, and I think that they've seen enough from him so far to to realise that he, he he's done good things for this club and, and will continue to do so. And we sacked our director of football fairly recently before January, so I think he took a lot of the brunt for the, for this lack of activity in the summer, missing out on targets like Graziano Pella, for example. Um, who would have been nice? <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah, that's um, your question. I'd just, just to look at really, Pella. To be honest, yeah, I think you, I think you last the season. The, the question I always ask with teams that have played in the the championship and have come to the Premier League is one of enjoyment, really, because I don't, I, I struggle. I'm quite. I always often speaking to fans of other club. I realise how silly it is as a Tottenham fan when we've got the players we're doing the and the results we usually get that we we still sit here and complain about what we get to watch but is it is it more fun being in the championship where you're winning every week and you know you're one of the better sides or is there a novelty to being in the premier league and perhaps not winning as much perhaps you know going 5 10 games without getting a result but you're playing in the bigger stadiums and whatnot is it yeah, so which um, one's more enjoyable which one's the one that you prefer it's a bit of both because it's all relative at the end of the day i mean when you've been in the championship for 10 seasons it's 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 crap you know, it's it's a horrible league. You're playing twice a week on Tuesday nights. You end up losing against shitty teams that are in the relegation zone when you definitely shouldn't. You know, you try and put a bet on at the weekend, and, and you, the likelihood is you won't win in the football league because you know there's so many ridiculous results. Uh, but last season was was thoroughly enjoyable. I think, in my opinion, we were head and shoulders above the rest, uh, and we were winning every week. So, and everyone likes that. But I mean, you go back to the point about money and about being a Tottenham fan, but. You know, I can completely understand why because you kind of know what to expect every season, don't you? you you've, you've, and it's mostly disappointment, sadly. Yeah, well, in, our, in our own special way, we managed to do a couple of things a season to sort of ignite the yeah. hope, and then we'll uh, we'll reliably come in and crush you towards the end of the year. Um, which you know is, is it's got a warm sense of familiarity about it every every year. Um, it's, it's basically like being an Arsenal fan, but a little bit worse. Uh, a bit better, I would say, to be honest. Um, I don't think I'd be able to stomach it as much <laughs> if I had to be one of them. They're, they're a bit strange, those people. Um, but I, I would I would say that too, to be honest, wouldn't I? Um, but, you, you know, if we do turn our eye to what Leicester and, and yourself make at Tottenham, um, are we a club that you, that you worry about? Or how do you think you're going to treat this weekend with it being an FA Cup game? Is it one where... You're going to put out your fringe players and, and see what happens, or is it one way you're actually going to go looking for a cup run? Well, we haven't really got a big enough squad to put out our fringe players, and, and what Pearson has done this season is, is basically rotate quite a lot. So I think we'll put out a, a relatively strong team, but that said, you, you've got a squad rightly to deal with you know many competitions this season. So whoever you put out will, will, will still give us a good game. Um, there's obviously a few weak spots, maybe like Fazio, Stambouli. You can argue with me uh, or agree with me, I don't know. <laughs> uh, Fazio's grown into the, the season. Um, the partnership he's built with Vertonghen is a, a rarity 
um, this season because we we started the season. I think as is the way with a new manager, you know, he, he shuffles about. He's trying to make up his mind of who's the best players, who he can play where, who he can trust, who's going to be able to play his brand of football. And you know, Pochettino's got quite a specific idea of what he wants us to be doing as well. So um, it, it was quite a while before he settled on his team. And then you know, he, as he settled on him, Bentaleb's gone off to Algeria. Um, to, to go to the African Cup of Nations and Mason's got injured. I mean, he's back in training today, but those were the those were the two that we could really hang his hat on. And moving Kane up front and playing Ericsson in behind was where it seemed to be working. But um, it's you know it's it's having to sort of rotate that but keep the momentum going that's been our problem we sort of we stumble I mean that the last FA Cup game we played away at Burnley was one of the most drab and terrible performances I think I've ever seen in my life it was absolutely shocking game of football there was there was hardly a shot on target for for <laughs> large parts of that match um I'm hoping this weekend isn't going to be like it do you unless you're the type of team that um because we, we played you at home last time and teams usually at home have a little bit more adventure about them, but are you likely to be more defensive to try and limit us or do you think you're gonna actually going to try and come out as a White Hart Lane? I would love to think the latter. I mean, it's hard to say that when, you, when you've when you scored so few goals all season, but in the cup, the pressure's off a little bit more, um, especially for us who aren't really expected to win. And even if we do be, win this game, we're not going to win the whole thing. Um, but yeah, I'd like to, and I don't think we're good enough to defend either. So I think we'll, we'll go for it. Um, you know, we, we played averagely against Newcastle in the last round, but they were, they were worse. Um, yeah, we've, we've got the players to, to hurt teams, especially on the break. I mean, last season, Riyad Mahrez and Anthony Nocar were, were exceptional on the, on the counter, but only, obviously one of them's in Africa and one of them hasn't really played much. Uh, he's playing at the moment, Nocar, and he's doing quite well. So I'd, I'd, I'd look out for him at the weekend. Um, and yeah, Kramoric will, will, will start, I assume. So he'll be one to, to hopefully ignite something into us. Yeah, if there's a player needing a goal, then you don't want to go anywhere else but White Hart Lane, to be honest. Because <laughs> if there's a club to get somebody's uh, confidence going, it's going to be us. Um, but would you would you quite happily fold in the FA Cup this season if it meant that you'd be able to concentrate on the league and have a better chance of staying up? <laughs> No, I, I do like the FA Cup. I mean, it, it's just a competition where you can kind of, you can go for it with the, with the shackles off as for a team like us anyway. You know, this is this is a good game for us. It, it, it's, it's a good test. It gives a few of the the so called fringe players a chance to to prove what they're all about. Um, I, I, I don't think I think we can cope with this competition. We, we got knocked out of the Capital One Cup early doors by Shrewsbury. We're not in anything else this season, so we might as well go for it. I, I don't see why we should fold. That's fair enough. That's, a, that's probably a better re, better response than just saying, no, we'll, we'll quite happily crash out of this one quite quietly to uh, to concentrate on the league. That's a bit of a, a Mike Ashley outlook on it. But um, if you had to kind of put your finger on somebody from Tottenham that was going to worry you from perhaps the last game or, or going into this one, who would you... Who would you be most most worried about playing? Oh, it's too easy to say Harry Kane because um, he will score. Uh, that, that's a guarantee. So that's <laughs> well, Ericsson's been amazing. I mean, you, you wrote something for four four two dot com about how he's grown under Pochettino, and and, and you know it's every week he seems to, to to look more assured. And the way he links play, the way he creates for everybody else, he's scoring goals. 
it's, it's hard to it's hard to track him. Um, you know, that, that, that's he's got to be the player that, that we're most looking out for. And 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 at Wordford Nasser Chadley as well, who's really grown into this season as, as it seems. Yeah, he has. Um, there was a fantastic piece by, uh, I always refer to this one when Chadley gets brought up. Um, I don't think he's actually going to be playing this weekend, unfortunately. I think he's, Cause of his- he's, he's, yeah, his dad's yeah. passed away, unfortunately. I think there's been another family passing as well. I'm not, I'm not sure, but I'm, I'm sure if there's definitely one, if, if not two. So, um, he's away in Belgium quite rightly. So the, the longer he needs away, that, that, that's fine by me. I'm not one of those football fans that says you've got a contract with us. You, abandon everything that's in your personal life and you're a slave to the club if he needs personal time away then that's that's perfectly fine but um there's michael cox um zona marking wrote a piece for espn um around the time of the first north london derby uh where chadley scored and it was where he was on that streak of scoring in every match um, and he compared him to pedro that plays for barcelona um and at first that might seem a bit grandiose but he essentially said that the function that he has is to, because he's he he doesn't really want to be the star player. He's quite happy being functional and and being quite tactically rigid and and sticking to his task and allowing other players to have space around him and just um, being being just you know a cog rather than looking to be one of the 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 stars of the show. Whereas the likes of Ericsson and Lamella and Kane to an extent will will go looking for that. Having that one person who's happy to, you know, be the the um be the wingman, if you will, helps them a bit more, which is sort of what Pedro does when he's in when he when when he used to play for Barcelona in that, that team with the likes of Messi and uh, Alexis as it was back in that season. So I think that's that's the best comparison I've I've seen with Chadley. Um but if I had to ask you for a, a score line this weekend, just to wrap it up. Oh, that's tough. Uh, I, oh, the eternal pessimist says says three one Spurs. But oh, do you know what? I'm, I'm going. So I, <laughs> I, I, I really want to be optimistic. Um, but yeah, I'm going to have to say three one Spurs. Sorry. <laughs> that's that's fine. I'm not. I'm not going to complain. Um, we should have won three one this past weekend if it wasn't for the linesman. But um, I've I've actually got a sneaking suspicion that it would be one of the most Tottenham things possible while we've got all this fixture congestion to draw this one and have another replay. Because yeah. I think that would take us to about 11 games played in January, Yeah. Um, which would probably just about you know put a stopper to anything we're going to be able to do in the latter end of the season. Yeah, well, but, um, the congestion is obviously a, a factor for us. I mean, you've got the Sheffield United games either side of this and... One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
Valencia coming up soon, and plus all the league action. So it, it's one thing we've got in our favour, obviously. But yeah, we don't want to replay either. So <laughs> yeah, I think if if both teams don't want to replay, that's usually the way it ends up. Yeah. But uh, thanks very much for coming on, Joe. Um, if if anybody wanted to read anything of yours, it's as you say in the magazine at four four two and online as well. Absolutely, and you can read yourself. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Read that Ericsson piece. I mean, it was uh, it was just my luck that as I was writing about how how good he was in the centre that this weekend for some reason Pochettino decided to play him off the left. I think that was just uh, his way of telling me to <laughs> not get above my station and telling what he was doing too well. To be honest, but um, thanks very much for coming on. No problem. Cheers, Rich. So yeah, many thanks to Joe Bruin from 442. Sorry I forgot your name the first time around, Joe. No offence, I'm just an unprofessional arsehole. Um, but I can't even add lib and pretend that, you know, he's optimistic or anything about his chances because you haven't actually spoken to him at the time of recording, Raj. So we're just talking about how we feel going into the Leicester fixture. They gave us a decent game, Um at Filbert Street. I oh, know it's not Filbert Street anymore. Um, <laughs> everyone in the season. <laughs> but, are we playing against Muzzy, is it? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Steve Guffey. Um, Neil Lennon. But, oh, Christ. Yeah, um, it's always a fiery affair when Neil Lennon's involved, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'll, again, is this is this a match that we're, we're comfortable winning? I think it should be. I think we're... It, it will be interesting to see how the balance will go if we're going to play the weakened side against United, even though it's potentially it's further along in a, dare I say, lesser competition, um, or whether we're going to kind of rest a few players against against Leicester, or are we just going to go for both, do you think, Raj? I don't know, to be honest. They're, they're, they're going to be trying to stay in the league, aren't they? So I'm not sure if they want a cup run to coincide with that. Um, and they haven't got the greatest uh, depth in the world. So I wouldn't be too concerned um, uh, for us as well. Um, I mean, Seb's already planted his uh, his flag in the ground for the uh, abandon the FA Cup idea. that oh. he, he And got he branded a disgrace ago. as a result as well. Oh, c- quite rightly too. It's not that. I got reduced to a hashtag on Twitter. I couldn't even, <laughs> I couldn't even put my, my profile in there, that guy, whoever he was. Just say Seb, hashtag disgrace. He was being a, he was being a, a keyboard wall. Oh, yeah. so that's the thing. He's, uh, he, wasn't, he wasn't acting you. So, uh, no, he you know. wasn't, wasn't, I'd, I'd happily have another cup run in the FA Cup, to be honest. I've I've never seen us win it in my lifetime, unfortunately. So I'd very much like us to see us have a decent tilt. As I've seen us losing a couple of semi-finals. Uh, three, I think, off the top of my head. Um, maybe even four. Oh, Jesus, that's could be even worse um, but uh, yeah I've, I've yeah I just want to see us win this one to be honest I'll, I'll never turn down a cup um, uh, not not in like prioritising the league over it or anything if we were to I mean imagine if we were to get to the cup final both the, the Carling Cup and the FA Cup that would be a, a good enough year for us I'm not going to pass comment on whether or not we win them but um that that'd be fantastic. I mean, two cup finals in his first year for Pochettino and a, a solid showing in the league with you know the odd Chelsea type performance would be a lot more than I'd been expecting. So it's I, I take that open open under. To be honest, I 
I've um, I've not too much to to analyse into this one because it's one of those odd cup games where it's not quite deep enough into the competition where everyone is automatically taking it seriously, yeah. and it's that it's not early enough in the competition either where you, you're going to assume that everyone's going to be playing just you know their their children and the, the the players that they don't fancy. So it's going to be a strange one. I'd, I'd, whatever teams are put out, you're going to have to to back us um, purely because we are the biggest side so it's um... I, I, I am a couple of things to note actually is that Leicester the week after that game they go to Old Trafford so there's a potential that Nigel Pearson might think he might do that sort of newly promoted manager thing of saying right we're not going to win at Old Trafford so this is the game that we take seriously I know that logic says that you know for, for, for a Leicester type side, you know, balls to the FA Cup that stay in the Premier League, but that might not necessarily be the case. But um, even if they've already beaten Man United once this season, yeah, I, it. Or, I don't know. So it's an ask Old Trafford, isn't it? Um, but either way, they're going to be missing Mares, who um, is obviously at the Africa Cup of Nations. And I think he's one of the. I think even if Leicester go down this season, he will probably stay in the Premier League. So I think he's a great player. He's well. He, he has the. Has the, um, the 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 building blocks of great player? His his decision making is a bit ropey, and he's a bit um, he isn't always that appreciative for what's going on around him. But he's technically a very impressive player. Um, so um, he him not being there will be a, a good day for Danny Rose or Ben Davis, whoever starts at left back. Um, but they um they were our lane. There's no. You know, without meaning to sound complacent, there's really nothing to fear from that side, uh, regardless of who if they um if they arrest anyone or not. I don't think. Um, I'm, I'm probably asking for trouble by speculating in such fashion. If we're to swap back over to the League Cup, do either of you lads have a preference on who you'd like us to play in the final? Because there's something tempting about both a Liverpool Spurs and a Spurs Chelsea final. Um, Liverpool, Liverpool, Liverpool. I, I, I don't like the idea of Mourinho going back over what we what happened at White Hart Lane and plotting against us. I think that kind of result is. Uh, I, I quite like the idea that we're not really scheduled to play Chelsea again this season, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and I, I, I think Liverpool are very beatable, and I think I, I, I chance of of, um, of of beating Wembley, uh, of beating Chelsea at Wembley on a big occasion are fairly limited. I mean, I, I know it's obviously happened before, but I um, this Chelsea team's a little bit of a different proposition to that one from a few years ago. Um, and, yeah. I don't know, there's something, because Liverpool have had the rub of the grain against us quite a bit recently, and Rodgers seems to, he seems to know how to get it. And I, I just, I can't stand seeing his big blobfishy face every time they... Managed to turn us over that smug grin he has. Oh, it's endless use of outstanding as well. God. It's yeah. talk of moral compasses and, you yeah. know. Yeah, the group. Ah, he's, he's an unbearable man. Yeah, I mean, the yeah, you've made your, your position on Brenton pretty clear in the past, haven't you? Um, yeah, he's a bellend, but... Um... <laughs> Would you, I'm assuming you'd rather be playing Liverpool than Chelsea in the final. I don't have a preference whatsoever. I don't care. Uh, either one of them. Are you, it's not about are you beating it's not, your chest saying, we're Tottenham yeah. Hotspur, we're not anyone? Essentially, yeah, because as, as Seb rightly points out, Chelsea will be fancying it because we, we, we pulled our pants down the last time we played. But 
equally if we were to play Liverpool, then I think the uh, the media narrative would be quite suffocating, uh, yeah. given that Steven Gerrard's on his way out. I do believe that the final is around the time of his birthday as well. Oh, I think that's the FA Cup final, for fuck's sake. Is that the FA Cup final? Either way, if Steven Gerrard's in a cup final in his last season at Liverpool... But wouldn't you love um, to be the team to to, uh, to stamp on a narrative? Wouldn't you, yeah, you have to but I, the I wouldn't bear. want to be the human that he is about yeah. for a month prior to it, so... So yeah. there's, there's there's pros and cons to playing either one of them. To be honest, I mean it's it's a one-off game. I don't see I don't see there being a preference either way. I, I think it's um, one of those where either either team you'd love to beat. I think that's the point. I just I'm a little bit more fearful of a vengeful Chelsea. I'm, I'm yeah. I mean I, uh, I I couldn't I couldn't care less. To be honest, I just want to if if we're there. And we're, we're there on the day, then it, it doesn't matter. It's just about what happens in those ninety minutes. I mean, uh, we've we've had we've had luck, and we've not had luck in, in Wembley games. So it's it's going to be interesting either way. I mean, it, it'd probably be a better game if it was against Liverpool because it'd probably be a bit more open um, because we, we would be likely to sit off Chelsea in, on a pitch that wide. Um, Either way, um, I, I don't care. To be honest, it's whichever one of those two fancies it will. Um, we'll just give the best account of ourselves as possible, and, and that's all we can really ask for. Um, when it comes to things like this, um, having played a sport to a decent enough level, be it with a, a different shape ball, it's one of those where you, you that mentality of of not caring about who you're playing but concentrating on, on yourself is something that's ingrained in you from a very young age so that's something that I still still hold to this day is not really caring about my opponent so um, as long as as long as we turn up and play our game then I'm I'm not going to be too fussed but we, we can't be as we said previously to Sheffield United we can't be uh, we can't be putting ourselves and imagining ourselves against them quite yet because we've still got still got York, uh, a Yorkshire team to be playing before and then they're not going to be uh Letting us go to Wembley quietly. You know, um, I, I stumbled across an interesting fact about old Wembley. If you remember before before they tore it down, every cup every, before every cup final, they would talk about the wide open spaces of Wembley, and they would uh, create like an, an image of this of like an old thirty five year old centre half being dragged around by a young twenty one year old forward. Old Wembley was actually one of the smallest pitches in the country. Really. Yeah. So, Really, it was actually, I can't remember the dimensions, but it was something similar to the old Emirates pit, uh, to the old uh, Highbury pitch, which was very small. Um, it was a corridor, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, but which it was kind of, that was partly to do with the camera angle, but but also because old Wembley had that running, well, quite well, almost a running track around it, but it also had those big spaces at the end, it looked much bigger than it really was. I mean, New Wembley, that, that is a very big pitch, I think, but uh, yeah, learn something every day. It'll be a um, it'll be a, a psychological thing, then what it thinking that the pitch is bigger than anywhere yeah. else when you're in the cup final. Thinking. I always I enjoy little things about that in the uh, in the cup. I mean, when they play the the Challenge Cup final at Wembley, you can tell that it's a big pitch. Yes, because most Super League pitches aren't that big. Most Super League grounds are very old, old standing type places, and when you see them play on there. And just quite the scale of it, especially with the, the Ingall area being about twice as big as much, it usually much is. Bigger. Yeah, absolutely. so you you get slightly because they they check up a uh, a pitch a bit more with lines and things for rugby league, so you can tell the size of it when it when it uh, when it overflows and things into areas. So it's 
it's it's a massive pitch, and I don't think the grass is too great either there. And they've had trouble for years getting it down so they don't cut up and and bog up and things like that. We the amount of different things that they have going on here and there. We uh, pop concerts and uh, speedway and things like that, that they've had over the years. So I I, I really don't like New Wembley. No, I'm not a fan. I, I I used to remember when when I first started watching football. Wembley was watching a game at Wembley always felt special so you know whether it was like an England friendly or later year 96 I suppose but any cup fight it just felt I know that it's impossible to replicate history and uh, and resonance in a, a new build but it just something about the way it looked was right and um, I just don't get that with new Wembley it just, it's just like every other stadium I've ever seen really um, and just as an environment, it's it feels very um, feels very generic. I don't know. I, I, maybe that's just me moaning and getting old, but it, that's, I don't know. It's not the same at all. No, it's it's very sterile. Um, yeah, that's exactly the right word. Yeah, sterile. It feels that way. Having been there, it feels quite corporate. It feels like it probably should be in the middle of a retail park. Yeah. Um, Which is so cool because Wembley is a, a little bit like that as an area, but. You know, when when not not to offend anyone who lives there, but it is. It's, it's not really that much of a residential area, and um, and and yet it's. I don't know. Old Wembley didn't still didn't have that. It was it was. I remember the first time I I, I went there, and the first time you, you walk up all those steps and you look at the pitch, and you don't get that when you go to this one if you haven't it's, been. It's funny because right. I, I had that. I had the, the same feeling this weekend because I I went with work to the Etihad to uh, yeah to very nicely see uh, Arsenal win away um, which was obviously glorious as I was gearing up for a nice 5-0 City win um, but when you actually I, d- I don't know if either of you guys have been to been up to the Etihad first time yeah, yeah I've been a yeah. couple of times yeah yeah it's uh, there's something about it it's like you, you, you get there and you're like, you know this is seriously impressive the whole complex the outside yeah. it's incredible yeah. yeah I haven't been there since the new training stuff has been built but it's, it's yeah anyway sorry Jack. it all looks amazing well but no but then when you're just kind of walking through you're like you know there's it's like a fucking there's like there's a live band here there's like fixed kind of it's not even like actual burger vans there's like little fixed sort of miniature restaurants out everywhere on the concourses everything's so clean everything's so orderly it's just uh, I don't know. I feel a bit of the O2 that thing. Yeah, yeah. So when you walk in there and yeah. everything's like you might, you, you could be in a shopping mall. It's really weird. Yeah, it's bizarre. And uh, I mean, it, it, in fairness, I have to say, when you're actually inside the ground on a match, um, it, there is a decent atmosphere in there. Uh, it manages to kind of there's a decent kind of acoustic within the stadium itself, which I think is another big failing of of New Wembley. Um, I think even when it's when it's packed out, it just it feels empty. There's, there seems to be no noise generated in there at all. Um, whereas they seem to they captured that with the Etihad. But I don't know. It's just it's one of those things that there's obviously there's that part of me where you don't want to stunt progress and you look forward to Spurs having a big shiny new stadium. But equally, there's as much of me that thinks, well, I like White Hart Lane. You know those nights when, I, when yeah. we are playing well. White Hart Lane, and I know it's that old cliche, but it does rock. You know, it's it, the whole stadium sort of shudders, and you can feel so much life in this kind of what isn't even that old of a stadium, really. White Hart Lane. Um, you know, what's great about White Hart Lane is that the really unappreciated part of it is 
is the um, is the angle. Even if you're in one of the upper tiers, the angle at which you watch the game. I really like that. I've always liked that. You feel because you are kind of on top of the game, um, which is definitely not the case in UMB, and also not really the case in a lot of a lot of a lot of stadiums now have this sort of wide, like, sort of shallow banked thing going on, which I hate. I really hate. Um, we just sound like one of those against modern football podcasts, really, don't we? <laughs> I'm just sat here wondering why we're having a, a in-depth conversation about Wembley, having not got there yet. Because this, this is, is one of those conversations, fate, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, this is one of those conversations where, in a couple of weeks after we've been beaten by Sheffield United, that's going to seem extremely ill-advised. No, no, well, that, that gives the chance to sort of to say legitimately why we didn't want to go anywhere, doesn't it? <laughs> it's Wembley shit. We don't want to play that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> just fucking stick to U2 concerts and all that bollocks, New Wembley. Um, anyhow, there's a couple of couple of order, couple of bits of business that are potentially going through today. Um, one seems to be more confirmed than the other, which is Kyle Norton going to Swansea City for five million pounds. I believe a bid has been accepted from the club. Um, the caveat to that, well not even a caveat, just a, an addition to that could be Tom Carroll also going for another five mil, but that seems a bit uh, not quite as far down the line as the Norton deal is. We, we did sort of touch on this last week or the week before, but uh, five million for Norton seems to be pretty good business on the surface. Um, I'm still not overly overly fond of the, I don't know, the lack of options his departure will will you know, pre- presenters with should Kyle Walker get injured. But, I mean, are you, are you lads both happy we've got enough cover with Norton going out? Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't describe Kyle Norton as cover on some occasions, to be honest. He's more of a hindrance than he is a help sometimes, which is a, a shame, really, because he, he's, he's one of those players that will have nine bad games and then have one good one. And you sort of think that is there some sort of redeeming quality to him and then he'll come back out and have another terrible game and uh, you'll you'll forget all about that good one. So it's it's probably a good deal for everyone around. He, he's a player that benefits uh, quite heavily from regular football. He's not somebody that can play that role of dropping in and out because he, he doesn't seem to be able to read the game and read the pace of a game and, and get the, the pace of a, of a side through just intermediate you know, little bits of involvement. So should he be given a, a run in that Swansea side that will play a, a decent amount of football on the floor, which he, he's actually very good at. He plays some good passes. He's actually got a little bit of intelligence on the floor. So should he be given a, a run in that side and should he be allowed to, to buy into their ethos, then he'd, he'd, he'd be much better off for it. He'd probably progress as a player there more than he would do at Tottenham. He's, he's just not suited to... Um, pushing himself as a player in the role he's going to have at Tottenham. Uh, we've probably got adequate co- cover in um, in the likes of Kirikesh and, and Dyer, even though they're not um, they're not ideal, and, and Yedlin will be coming through um, at some point as well. So there's going to be a few here that we, um, we've we got a choice. To, so it's one of those where when we get offered the money for him, we can't really turn it down, especially not a fee like five million. That's probably more than we thought we were going to be getting. Oh, for you carry him there for five million. I think, I, I think that's just I, I am. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's kind of what we paid for him. We had that in the the combined deal for him and um, him and Kyle Walker in I want to say 2009. 
something like that. So to 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 make your money back on a player who hasn't really, I don't know. It, it's not that Carl Connor's a bad player. It's just that he hasn't gone anywhere as a footballer. He hasn't shown that he's he's developed any kind of. Uh, defensive field for the Premier League and I know that someone on Twitter said made a really good point for me uh, and, and said that um, his performances at left back which is a position obviously he's not really suited to playing and was forced into by circumstance have damaged his reputation as a right back and I don't necessarily think that's true I just I think because he's beat, he has had plenty of chances to play right back and he always just looks like a guy who is ready to make a huge error at any point um and I, I just don't think he processes the game quick enough at this level. I mean, he'll have a career at a Swansea. I, I think I still think Swansea a little bit too hard relief for him, but he'll have a career in the Premier League. But he, um, he he's just not someone that, um, with the greatest in the world, if if you're a club who wants to move towards the top four eventually, he's not a player that is ever going to play regularly for you whilst you do that. He was actually the one when we bought the two of them from Sheffield. They were all most keen about. Absolutely. Carl Walker was sort of the afterthought. I'd never day. heard of Carl Walker when, when he came. I, I, I knew of Norton, but I'd never 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 seen a minute of Carl Walker on a football pitch when he... Yeah, when he Norton came. was the one that Sheffield United were actually more um, upset about losing. Now, I think Norton came um, slightly earlier than Walker did. Walker was loaned back longer, and then he was obviously loaned out again to to Villa, um, yep. while Norton was was still floating around the club. So it was very much geared towards um, towards Norton being the one who's going to come in at right back. So it's it's strange. I mean, Tom Carroll's a, a different case. I mean, he, he's one that we've always always had high hopes for, but given the the other players have sort of come in now. And the competition for places we've got in central midfield, it just must be one where Pochettino's had to say that, you know, although he wants to promote youth, there are other players there that perhaps could do the role and and do that sort of thing a bit better. And Ben Sleb's really sort of taken that position of his as being, you know, the youth team player that's that's intelligent and passing on the ball. And, and he's he's a bit more aggressive, Ben Sleb. He's, he's probably, yeah. uh, you know... He's, Got the scope to be a better defensive player than uh, than Carroll. I think he's a much better athlete than Carroll. Yeah, I think the fact that Bentaleb's going to have this experience of actually playing for Algeria regularly, playing tournament football, uh, playing in different environments and different atmospheres and, and things against different sorts of opponents is, is only going to help his game as well. Yeah. Um, because Al- the Algerian team, it's not a, it's not one of those um, African sides. It, there's some that tend to get embroiled in controversy, and you know, with the the financial. Um, yeah. You know the situations with some of them sides. They've gone often, Nigeria, yeah, this yeah. Through through no fault of their own, some of the sides tend to become a bit of a uh, a bit of a sideshow with with what the players are getting up to and and the political side of it and with their FAs and Algeria tend to be a little bit more um, well run than that um, on the face of things. You don't know what it's like on, on on the ground, obviously, but he seems to be getting coached well and and seems to be playing well. I mean. I watched his his ninety minutes the other night, and he was he was fantastic. He was pretty much playing the same role for them that he does for us. He was wearing fourteen like Cruyff and Modric, so that yeah. that made me. He played in a, well. um, in a in a in a deep midfield two yesterday, didn't he against Southampton? Yeah, yeah, I saw a little bit of that. Yeah, yeah, okay. So yeah, he is playing so the same position. 
Yeah. yeah, so I'm, you know, his his progression is something that I don't think anybody saw coming. His involvement, and that's, you know, the one good thing about that Tim Sherwood experiment or mistake or whatever you want to call it is the fact that we got Bentaleb, and you know, if if making that mistake is is what is going to give us that player, then I think we're going to have to just kind of hold our hands up to the one positive, and uh, and, and embrace him with as, as much as we can. Um, it's a shame for Carroll though. I think five millions a a good fee, but given that Cal Norton's getting it as well, it, it, it seems slightly a bit low, but um, he's I, probably going to balance out between the two, to be honest. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm expecting a little bit of a, um, a, a turn on Twitter backlash this, because Carol's a bit of a... Um, Carol's a bit of a... a darling, um, yeah, he is. A, a bit of a darling, and I, and I think... I, 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 I don't mean to be harsh on him, but I think that's a bit of a myth. I think that when I see Tom Carroll play football, I see someone... Similarly, who can only do one thing, and he's a very neat passer, and he is quite a creative player, and he, he's he showed that fleetingly for Spurs, but um, also a little bit for QPR and a little bit for Swansea. But he doesn't do anything else. He doesn't have uh, any um, any other aspects to his game. If you talk to, I've got a, a couple of QPR um, sporting friends, and neither of them were that impressed with him in the Championship last season. And I've watched him a, a, a few times with Swansea um, this season. And he's just, if you look at what, I think you touched on this, but if you look at what Pochettino um, wants from those two midfielders, generally Mason and Bantleb, I don't think Carroll can do that. I don't think that, I don't, neat passer though he is, I don't think he passes with that much urgency. I don't think he's athletic enough to, to do the defensive side of the game or, you know, play with as much energy as this team is. Um, and I have, I don't know, I, I'm sure plenty of people will disagree, but I, I have no problem with him going. Um, uh, not least because it, 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 it will stop all the bollocks about him. I, I just, you know, there are people that, 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 you know, were incredulous that Ericsson was at the club and Carroll had been, you know, at one point in the season and Carroll had been loaned out. I mean, it's just silly. Um and that's yeah, kind I think, of. I think I think Carroll was the first kind of hope from the youth team, wasn't he? Was the, the the one that we saw the most coming through. Even he'd been the first for a really long time. Yeah, yeah like, so I think that's why he, he had the groundswell of, of goodwill is because yeah, we yeah. wanted one of our own to succeed, and now we've got other other players in which to expend that energy. I don't think it's going to be a a decision we're going to be too uh, upset about. Um, well, you have to. I mean, with with these youth players, I, I understand, and you know, I. I I love a youth player as much as the next person, but there's got to be a point at which the, the, the right answer to every problem isn't always a youth player. And that, like, you, we may create some, some great ones in this season. I suspect this season will be a bit of an anomaly in the sense that we've had three who've come in at the same time and have made themselves first-team regulars. And that, yeah, that, if you look back on the history of the Premier League, even, not even just at Tottenham, but everywhere, that's incredibly rare. Um... And you, you just, I, I, I don't know, you, you, you can't, Carroll was a victim of that. Carroll became this sort of, he was, he was the, the, the answer to every problem that existed in the side. And I know there was actually a, a pretty funny, um, there was a, a pretty funny article, I think on, um, I can't remember on which website, but it was basically if, if, if Twitter managed Tottenham, then the end result was Tom Carroll would be captain. <laughs> so, yeah. No, it's true. It did legitimately get that way for a while, but yeah, I agree with what you're saying. I mean, and there was always that kind of 
Are you eating something? Um, yeah, I'm just having a, a mouthful of a butternut squash fritter, actually. Jesus a butternut Christ, squash something. fritter. Where, where, hey, where do you buy those? <laughs> it's uh, there's a company called Deliverance. Deliverance.co.uk. No, that sounds wonderful. Terrible. No, 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 you're not Deliverance Pains. Absolutely not. No, it's, uh, there can't be a food company called Deliverance. Oh, it sounds it's, like they're gonna. It's brilliant. Squeal, squeal piggy. That's all they're saying. They do everything at Deliverance, and it's all really, they're gonna really good. Caught me scripture when they give me the food. I mean, you won't be laughing when they're sponsoring this podcast next week. <laughs> exactly. What what free food are they going to send me? Like fennel seeds and no, things? Well, you're, you're outside their area, so they won't send you anything. But Jack and I... Quite pleased to be outside their area if the food they're sending is butternut squash. What else can you get from there, Jack? Deep fried Mars bars, mate. It'll be right up your street. All that shit. Parmos. That's Scotland. You love all that. But it's all Middles, the same, right. It's all the same up there, mate. I tell you what, the, the, if if I have one tip for eating in Leeds, uh, this is my one tip that I give everyone. Nando's? Is, uh, no. Burger um, King? No. <laughs> Um, Headingley, uh, around Headingley Hyde Park area, around the Leeds University, across the road, in fact, from the Leeds University Parkinson building, which is the big one with the clock, uh, the famous one. Um, there is a bakery called Bakery 164, run by a little Italian man um, who freshly breaks his freshly bakes his bread in the morning and uh, makes his sandwiches all fresh on the day. And he makes this sort of chilli relish thing. And uh, there's a sandwich he does in there, which is like a, a spicy relish, chicken, bacon, jalapeno, um, all sorts of stuff with like a, a focaccia-type bread that he makes fresh in the morning. And then it only costs like £2, £2.50. And it's like a massive hunk of bread with loads of stuff filled in. And uh, that's that's the best sandwich you're going to get in Leeds. Can't, and that's one of my favorites. Now I'm getting close to 30 breads off the menu. I, I can't what? do it. Gives me the bloke, awful bloke, awful bloke. Jesus. You're not wrong, mate. I, I, I went past 30 last year. You, you, he's not wrong. It's, you, you're not the same for the rest of the day. You two are depressing. Just get used to it, mate. It's, it's coming for you. You think, yeah, you, think you, ten years. you think you're going to be what, like, however old you are, seventeen, invincible forever? <laughs> you know, it doesn't doesn't last, mate. It catches up with you. I'll send you a photo on my thirtieth birthday of hand bread. Of the Reaper. He just tightens his grip, just that little bit, you know. Yeah. Every single day, every day. Doesn't tighten it enough to stop you getting fat, but he doesn't. No, yeah. no, that's true. <laughs> And losing, and your hairline kind of disappearing. Yeah, the hairline goes, and what you do have starts to go grey. You know, everything's fucked. Oh, you two are bagger, bagger, bagger laughs. Right, well, let's, I'll tell you, it's a nice way to cheer things up because we've we've kind of neglected it for a while. Um, I think I think you and I have probably been. I'm speaking uh, on behalf of myself here, actually, Raj. But I'm going to rope you in. I think you and I have been a bit, you know intimidated that Seb might find us a bit plebeian if we start talking about television but we're going we're gonna to drag him down to our murky level and uh, I think we need to, to get him involved in some of this TV chat because it's been missing from all the roost for a few weeks now um, so we'll, we'll put it over to you Seb you know we've, we've spoken about a length in the past the likes of Game of Thrones True Detective was a, a, a big favourite of ours True Detective uh, was, uh, was spectacular was oh, um, you went to a good thing already, mate. Oh, mate, I, I just um, I it took me maybe two or three episodes to 
adjust. I, I don't know if this makes sense, but kind of adjust to the pace of it because it was it was it, it's quite an unusual bit of television, just in a lot of different ways, and you know like. Where it's presented, the way the narratives are constructed, but also the, the the sort of style of storytelling. It was um, it was it was gripping, and disturbing in a kind of entertaining way. But it was just um, yeah, wonderfully shot. I I, I, I went into it fully skeptical because like you, that kind of thing when you, you hear a lot about stuff and everybody tells you to watch something, you just think, oh, fuck off, no. Um, but then yeah, no, it was um, mesmerizing. A little bit. I, I wasn't. I wasn't listening. Are we on about Bake Off? <laughs> no, we're not talking about. We're talking about True Detective. All oh, right. I thought with, he said it was shot well and gripping, and I thought it was Bake Off. I was reading a text. It's it's talking about Paul Hollywood needing some dough. Yeah, yeah. He, he's, he's a powerful man, Paul Hollywood. It's crazy. Is it? Yeah, I think he's a right dirty old git. No, you see, if you want me to avoid judging you, then this Bake Off stuff's got to go. At least when I'm on, because I, no. you know, you know this. Inst- I, you know, I have no reference point for this. You're gonna have to start watching it <laughs> no, when I'm, it comes no, back I'm, next no, year. You, you, you're gonna, you're gonna. Mate, start when we were first starting to get to know each other, this was just like this was solid propaganda for about three weeks. It was just like every every time I spoke to you in any capacity, it was to the backdrop of you watching Bake Off. <laughs> <laughs> It didn't matter when it was, what time of day or what day of the week it was. It was always the same. It was like, man, I'll, you know, after Bake Off. Like, it'd be a tweet or, or a, a WhatsApp or, you know, an email. And, and it, yeah, it just, it, I judge you pretty hard during that phase. I, I, remember, I remember being where you are, Seb, uh, in that respect. <laughs> and I, honestly, once, once you get into it, I, I guarantee you the Bake Off hour will be, it will be in rotation. Yeah, that would be it. Yeah, the paper foul. You know, I um, I I'm not really, I'm not, I'm more of a um, I'm not a uh, like a, a live TV watcher. I'm a I'm a box set gorger. Okay. Um, I'm more of a kind of um, like the, 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 things like I can imagine yeah. you sitting down and watching like uh, the War in Color and box sets like that. <laughs> <laughs> what with my dad? Yeah, yeah the World at War, the yeah. full box set. Smoking a cigar and having my Panama on indoors. Yeah. Yeah. You got really annoyed when I suggested that you might have a when I suggested that you might be an owner of a Panama hat, you got very, very annoyed with me. Yeah, it was your sneering tone when you said it. (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't it wasn't the idea of the Panama hat, it was this it was a snidey sniffness with which you made it was an accusation. That's what I didn't like. Um, that's that's probably fair. But when I'm not watching um, The War in Colour, rarely, um, I'm a um, uh, big Game of Thrones fan, obviously. Um, the Wire I've just finished watching for a second time, because, well, why not? It's been a few years. Um, and then all the, the generic stuff that everyone watches, like Breaking Bad. Um, but I'm not, um, no, I, I, I'm not a, a Bake Off person. I'm not really... I don't know, I'm, I'm not... I don't really have a good... Um, good sense for when things are on TV and like if it were not for things like on demand and catch up TV uh, TV I think would, would pass me by unfortunately I just I don't have a good sense for for what goes on and I would have say, you seen Ray Donovan 
No, but I, is is that something that should be? Cause yeah, I, that's that's another uh, that's another thing that you're going to have to watch in order for it. If you if you catch up on the two seasons before the third one starts, then right. you'll be in a perfect position to join in with me and Jack speaking about it. Okay, well, because I that 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 came out just after the first time I finished watching The Wire, and I The Wire kind of ruined TV for me for a while. Because I just I've not watched was... The Wire yet. I've had I've had the box set for over a year. Oh, man. I've got uh, I've got The uh, Sopranos uh, now as well, and I've never. I've never Sopranos sat down and watched it. Oh, Jack's not going to be happy about that. No, I, I love The Sopranos for two or three yeah, seasons. Yeah, mate. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it for two or three, three, three seasons, and then it just it, it got a little self-indulgent, and I I don't know. I I, I got a bit. I don't know. I I, I just didn't. Um, yeah, it didn't go where I wanted it to go. If you know what I mean. Um, I, I don't uh, know what you mean. So I can actually hear Jack being offended from here. <laughs> I didn't. If you look at all the characters in there, then they, there are very few of them progress in any way. And and I, I like my characters to change. I like um, you know one of the things that I one of the things I really liked about something like Breaking Bad was that from its first point to its end there's a huge shift in the way all the characters behaved and the way he reacted to them. And with The Sopranos, it was like, it was very entertaining. And in, 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 you know, in a general sense, it was great TV. And um, it's, it, in a, in a, because it actually, you know, it came before this sort of weird golden age of HBO television, I guess. It was right at the beginning of that because it's quite old now. Um, it, it was, it was, yeah, it was very appealing then. But now, when you when you occasionally see the odd episode crop up on on TV, it just feels quite tired. Um, and maybe that's just overexposure. Maybe that isn't its fault. Maybe we've just all become so. Um, maybe it's uh, yeah. I don't know. It just it was it it just didn't have that longevity for me um, that others have done. Um, and it just didn't have. It wasn't complex enough. Sorry, Jack. Well, that's probably why I like it so much, then, isn't it? To be honest, where do you two stand on um, on Only Connect? Because that's quite possibly my favourite thing on television at the moment, and has been for some time. On the what? Only Connect, the the BBC Two, formerly BBC Four, quiz program hosted by Victoria Corrin Mitchell. Never heard of it. Never heard of it, mate. Never heard of it. Oh, get it on iPlayer now. It's fantastic. It's where. They ask questions where you have to make connections between these like fairly obscure things, and uh, people like rarely ever get a question right. But I seem to have found my forte in uh, being able to do this one quiz. Like it's like really nerdy people go on, and they uh, they give themselves like stupid names like Felina Files or Gallifreyans or something like that, and they they like teams of three and um, they go through these various games against each other to get them right. And Victoria Corrin Mitchell, in her very dry way, just tends to sit there for half an hour and take the piss out of everyone. And it's actually quite amusing. And uh, it's my favourite quiz. I think it comes out on a Monday, and I usually download it on iPlayer and then watch it uh, one of the nights following. But, um, I mean, I enjoyed Pointless for quite some time, but this is genuinely better than Pointless. I've never yeah. really got an edge, but I'm not a big I'm not a big game show fan, mate. I'm not, not a big game show fan either. Yeah. Not to get not to take this sort of dapper laughs and lads bads. 
I've always, I've always quite fancied Victoria Card Mitchell. I'm going to be honest, it's, a, it's, a, it's something there. I don't know why. I do. I'm sure she'll be pleased with that. That's full dapper last, that, right there. <laughs> <laughs> I watch I'm it done. for her, mate. Maybe she'll get him that. No, mate. Next podcast, you have to do an entitled neck. I apologise for the trunk. He's a character. No, he isn't. You have that. to kill off the whole trunk character. Forever, or for like three weeks until you decide that you're going to bring it back again. That'd be a good uh, after a few months now, anyway, mate. So <laughs> that'd be a good uh, YouTube um, YouTube parody for you to do, Jack, to dress yourself up in a turtleneck and comb your hair in a partition and put some eyeliner on and and kill the uh, kill the Tetrunk character and call yourself Jack. That, I'd I'd want to watch that. It'd be quite amusing. I wonder, I wonder how that would go down if I if I literally just changed the profile to Trump just to Jack Hussey. I don't think people would. Um... Oh, I mean, no, don't, 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 no, like, I, I have to intervene. Don't, don't do that to yourself because don't become one of those. No, 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 not one of those because I was one of those. I, I'm, I'm morphed from on Twitter at least from right. It was never a character; it was just the name of the site that that I started. When you become you, uh, you, you hemorrhage followers and people react really weirdly it, they, they shouldn't and there's no obvious reason why they why they would but they do it's they don't like it i mean in my case probably because i have a double vowel surname i suspect but um they, they don't they don't they don't like the um the veil being lifted it's Today. all right whenever i speak to you seb i usually just go for a bath afterwards and listen yeah. to as much billy bragg as possible just to write myself to detox just, yourself from that yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, i usually sit in the corner and cry and just chant the lyrics to this power in a union yeah. and then i feel fine afterwards go and vote, go, <laughs> go and vote labor in a local election quickly before you know. <laughs> i do that anyway to be honest so i don't have to i don't have to do it um, just, in a room right, are, are you judging people's are you judging people again what is it judging oh, yeah, people's this, moral this is me judging people yeah. if, the, if anybody needs to know like uh, an example of the fact that I am quite an inclusive person. The fact that Seb's on the show yeah, is pretty inclusive. Like, that is, that's, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Me, like, the, there's only ever like jovial, um, like ribbing between the two of us. To to use a word that I imagine like Seb did at school, ribbing. Um, we, we, you know, it's always playful. I'm not. It's not like I, I sit there and scold him or anything. We've had this conversation privately as well. I think his own equal opportunities podcast host, definitely. Yeah, 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 about people who've who you know taken unkindly to the fact that Seb's got a, a posh name and and you know is a uh, is a handsome man. So, <laughs> but I'm, still, I'm, I'm still yet to see that part. As I said, my mental image is still Benedict Cumberbatch. Which... No, he looks like the only photos I've seen from him on his Facebook photos. He looks like a handsomer version of you know the lad who played uh, Never Longbottom in Harry Potter, Matthew Lewis. <laughs> when he got when he got older and thinner and went through puberty and got a bit more handsome, if you then make him so slightly more from powerful, a boy to a man, yeah. If you, if you use him from man point rather than when he was a child, um, then he he looks like that, but slightly more handsome with with shorter hair. Trouble, trouble was it that, that, those, those are all five years old. Those photos, at least. So I'm afraid the. Um, so you just ballooned now, and you look like a. Uh, no, I prefer like words like spread or you know, <laughs> get softer. Out. I want ballooned is a bit severe, but I uh, no, I filled out. Yeah, uh, just you know, I've, I've, let's just say I've got older. 
<laughs> you look like Tony Soprano now. No, no, I've got more hair than Tony Soprano, and I am thinner. But I am, I, I'm, I'm maybe heading in that in that direction over the next sort of fifteen or twenty years. You, you did say you shaved your head, though, Seth, haven't you? No, I've been doing that for quite a while. I um. Is this to more geezer points now that you're yeah, a geezer, geezer podcast like, with with proper lads? Yeah, I, that's the thing because when, like I said, when when I when I came out of the um, out of the Premier League Owl character on Twitter and and replaced it with my own name, I thought, well, I've got to compromise in some other way. So, <laughs> Razor Grade Two Man of the People. You can also put your own picture, an up-to-date one on Twitter, just so people can see who you are and things. Because um, yeah, I, think, yeah. I think that'll get that'll get the followers back in. People will see your face and they're like, this is a this is a man that I want to be um, associated with. I, I you know, I, I don't... Um, I'm still a bit uneasy with the old Twitter and the, the real name thing. I, I need it for, you know, because I'm, I, you know, sort of earn money from writing about football I, I i sort of need to be under my real name but i don't know i i, I twitter's so nasty that and and so full of people that are just well i'm not going to finish that sentence that's for our chat group rather than, <laughs> rather than, rather than the actual podcast but um yeah I, I i like that last element of um anonymity i think yeah i never went for that mine was just a personal account in which I used to just speak to my mates uh, before I started writing for people and, as you say, you know, get paid for it and whatnot. So mine's become slightly more professional than it used to be, although it's it's not entirely that way because I still manage to annoy people um, just by being me, essentially. I mean, that... By being morally superior. Yeah, you, you are... Um, uh, yeah. yeah, just having, like, beliefs and things and... and Applying them Opinions. to everyday life, yeah, yeah. How dare I? Um, but yeah, it's uh, you know, it's a strange one. But I've I just sort of don't really take any notice of it. I think I'm. I think my capacity to ignore is uh, slightly larger than yours and Jack's. I think you two, uh, you two analyse a bit more than I do. I'm. I uh, I tend not to care as much. I mean, the fact that I woke up about five minutes before we started recording this podcast, uh, and we're not ashamed of it in any way at all. No, uh, no, at all. Uh, no, gives you a gives you a sign of uh, you know. Thing the, is, is that like you, you laid back person I am. You, you kind of I'm a bit of a, a and I'll I'll cheerfully admit to this. I'm a bit of a name searcher on Twitter because I like to um I like to gauge how people are reacting to, to some of the things I write and oh you google yourself no I, no no googling yourself that's just that's a recipe for you know not a very good state of mind but like no, I've never done that no no no, no, no don't do that but on twitter like it's exactly from the thick of it isn't it googling yourself is like <laughs> in, opening the door to the room and tell you how shit you are <laughs> I love the thick of it. The thick oh. of it's probably my favourite television programme ever. Brilliant. Thick of it is absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I, I, I don't. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, um, uh, you know, everyone, everyone knows what Twitter, what Twitter is like. But I, I, I sort of, once you start, I don't. I've never had a problem with people um, slagging me off by the name of the website that you know, I, from where I came, basically. But. Uh, I don't like the idea of it becoming sort of first name related because we're all aware of there, there are certain people on Twitter that we can all name who are fairly notorious as just people that are just really unpleasant all the time for the sake of... We're talking about you, Chris Miller. 
<laughs> no, it's all windy. No, there's, there's, I mean, in all seriousness, people that are just, um, you know, aggressive for the sake of, I imagine, probably wanting a little bit of attention. You know, the, the people who, are, who have relentless disagreements with people and, and you know, we, we, we can all name those guys. Um, and I, I, I don't know, I, I, I quite like the idea of people going, oh, you know, that guy from the Premier League out is shit. That's fine. Don't so much love the, the Seb Stafford-Lewis shit thing, really. I, um, I don't know, I just... I'll stop texting you it then if it gets to you that bad. No, yeah, it's, it's, it's <laughs> you're northern. I just, you know, it's easy to ignore. It's, <laughs> it's in your personality. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I, it's, uh, it's another one. But you, you've kind of, well, ever since I've known you, Raj, you've always been under you. You've never, yeah, never, I've, I've never had a, an alias. Yeah. I've never been clever enough to have an alias. I mean, I think when I first signed up to Twitter, um, my uh, my username was uh, Brown Bear which was my high school nickname. Because I don't know if you two are particularly fair with the uh, the programme Scrubs. Yep, yep. But, uh, there was an episode in which uh, JD said to Turk, oh, you're my brown bear, and that became my nickname throughout high school with all my lads, um, which, you know, nice. sounds a bit homoerotic now, but it was quite funny at the time. You, you, you could attract some kind of, like, not great Twitter followers if you kept that name. I don't know. Yeah, but I, I I I grew out of it somewhat after that. When I went to I went to a different sixth form than my high school, so the uh, the nickname sadly did not come with me. <laughs> although I, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have gone against it. But yeah, I um I changed it after that to um my um my surname and my rugby number. I was just going to um, say I was hoping that you'd realise that Scrubs was shite, so you changed it. But uh... <laughs> Scrubs had its moments. I mean, it, it tailed off quite spectacularly badly, but in the early days, it weren't too bad. It was quite good sort of um, filler television. Like yeah, uh, I mean, you sat there during the day and there's yeah. no else on. Sure, I, I, I camp it with like Big Bang Theory, that kind of stuff, where it can be on in the background and you know. It's, it's like, yeah, it's like, it's like an, an, an elaborate fish tank, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I find it completely inoffensive, uh, Big Bang Theory. I usually put it on because it's something, it's one of the very few things that both myself and my 10 year old sister can stomach without wanting to kill each other with what's on TV. Because if, if I put any form of sport on, she she gets in the right barney with me. And if she puts anything close to what she wants to watch, which is usually some sort of. You know, some kid sat in Brighton with a HD camera on the face on YouTube, talking shite and doing some sort of challenge that I genuinely want to track down and throttle. Um, then we, we have to find a, a happy medium. No one knows what to say after that. No, I think is it, it. just is it just because I went hyper aggressive over? Oh you? yeah, you went a bit dark there. You went, you showed a dark side yourself. Yeah, it's just lack of sleep, bro. It's just lack of sleep, mate. It's not good. We need to address it. Um, we did no, say it's... that you need daylight. We told you <laughs> we are you mock us for being old, but you should listen a little bit more. You two are like my adopted gay fathers, which I quite enjoy. But um, the um, no, it's because my sister watches it permanently, like. From morning till night, she's got like an iPad that she got for her birthday a couple of years ago, and like she just sits there constantly from morning till night, just watching these people do this stuff, and just via osmosis, I've be- I've come to know them. You know, you know the big ones like that Zoella, and that other one with the teeth that does the 
pointless thing or whatever it's called and actually calls it pointless and then she watches these ones of lads playing Minecraft and they've got the most annoying voices you've ever heard in your life like just squeaky and talking shite and that playing a child yeah playing a child's game and you know first couple of times it's alright but once you've heard it for you know eight months on on loop you you sort of start getting aggressive and start getting a bit Mike Tyson about it so I've, I've sort of been my patience has been uh, has been chiseled down I'm, I'm usually quite a placid character I um, but, um I, I used to uh, before I left London I um I had a um a lodger who I used to let my spare room to and she um she she used to love like um you know all those sort of fair reality tv programs like um Anyways, Essex and Made in Chelsea and stuff, and um, she'd she'd made me miss um, she'd made me miss like the first fifteen minutes of a of a Spurs game or something, and um, and I was fine about it. I was seething inside, but you know how you know it's a it's someone you live with, you, you pretend to be polite. So we were doing that kind of thing, and it was away to Sunderland a few years ago. And the only time I was ever, 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 ever shouty with her was um, Michael Dawson did something shit. He uh, just it, it lost one of those. I can't remember which song player it was he scored. We conceded and it was his fault, and that was just the breaking point for me. And I completely took it out on her. I've always, um, I've always felt guilty about that. She's not listening, so there's no real point in me. <laughs> she's telling she's her not story. listening because she's beneath the patio. <laughs> 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 no, um, it was just it was it was it was a bit of a shouty moment which uh, made her cry, and I, I, I've always felt awful about that. I did apologise. Made her cry. Yeah, well, she was quite hardy strong, so it wasn't really my fault. But um, she, she. What did you do? Like stand up? I, I, I just I, 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 No, it was just a. She do things like I, I, I'm, 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 I'm a, I was one of those guys. The biggest mistake I made with her was. Like the little things that annoy you with someone that lives with you, you should probably always just go, don't do that when they happen. I, I was a sort of deal with it, deal with it, deal with it, deal with it, until it became too annoying to bear, kind of kind of flatmate. And um, she'd do things like she would leave stuff in the sink for days on end and she'd eat my food and, and like, it just annoyed me. And, and then you know, I'd had an hour and a half of having to watch like reality TV, and then I missed the, the first bit of the Spurs game, and then we conceded a shit goal, and I just I I, I reached my <laughs> I reached my breaking point. Well, sounds like the build up to a really bad porno. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was just a um, it was just a a friendly apology afterwards. There was no there was no um, there was nothing more dramatic. Well, well, I, uh, I, I hope you've all enjoyed it. that whole bit out. I yeah, it's, it's kind of weird. I, I, like, you guys went to a very dark place. Um, did, did, yeah. Glad I managed to keep keep a bubble all of that. No, yeah. I, I never get angry. I'm no, neither just... do I really. I, I'm, I'm a sulker rather than an angry person. But... Oh, I'm definitely a sulker. I'm a sulker and a moaner. I'm a big moaner. <laughs> yeah. Big old, yeah. Big old moaning <laughs> ball bag. That's me. Um... Christ. Some some mornings in the office you don't want to fucking sit next to me. Um, Especially not if you're eating butternut squash. Mate. That's what I was ready to do, mate. That's how we roll. Hmm. I'm just having a little sip of water there as well, just to you know, water is that is that allowed in your in your book of things that can be consumed, Baines? Is it is it tap water? Um no, it's not of a machine. Oh. 
Water's one of those things I actually really dislike about London. Uh, Thames Valley water is terrible. Like, the quality of it, it's just... It messes up my hair. It's not nice to drink. It doesn't make a good cup of tea. <laughs> it does. I think it's. I think that's one of those things that's, like, mostly myth. No, it's true. It's genuinely true. I can tell the difference between Yorkshire water and Thames Valley water. Yeah, you, you can. There's a, there's a discernible difference, but I don't think it's massive. Although, it's I, I do notice... I think... If I spend a few days in Yorkshire, or, yeah, vice versa, when I come back here... It always takes me a few days to do a poo afterwards. Just letting you know that as well. Changing water. <laughs> yeah, I always have constipation for a few days in a changing water. Would you not <laughs> prefer to go down like the road of admitting that you are occasionally angry over mundane stuff rather than do that? That was Raj and I got off better from that that last five minutes. I think. I think, I think I'm probably more because you kind of congratulated yourself for for, for 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 staying clear and protecting your reputation but then then you had your water and you ruined it i'm a toilet humor kind of guy <laughs> so, it's, it's a level i'm punching at mate you guys do the football stats i'll stick to the to the gags about bowel movements and uh trolling arsenal fans on twitter because it's what i do best um, check all the boxes <laughs> everything covered if you have, for some odd reason, enjoyed this week's Roll the Rose podcast, um, you can listen to all the previous episodes on iTunes and on SpursStatman.com. There's like a little player thing there that's built in. Um, also, be sure to follow SpursStatman on Twitter. That is the boss JP at SpursStatman. You can also follow the Roll the Roost feed at RTRSSM. Uh, yeah, there's not an awful lot more to say um, than we already have done today. So, come on, Spurs. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.